You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Almighty Father, we pray that you would humble sinners and exalt the Savior by the power and grace of your Holy Spirit. For the sake of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, amen. Well, 2020 is over, and 2021 has come, and I cannot remember a worse year in my lifetime than 2020, and I cannot remember a more anticipated new year than 2021. Uh, If nothing else, 2020 gave us a number of fantastic memes on social media. Uh, One meme has a picture of the space shuttle that launched into space back in mid-May, and it said... To the astronauts who launched today, good choice. May not want to come back for a while. (laughs) Uh, Second one, which is my favorite, is the 2020 commemorative candle, which is a miniature waste management dumpster with a candle wick in the middle, because 2020 is best described as a dumpster fire. Now, as humorous as these uh, memes are, there really is nothing funny about 2020. As of last week, One in 1,000 Americans died from deaths related to the coronavirus. I would say that all of us probably know someone who was either hospitalized or died from COVID-19. There is a great deal of optimism, though, as we head into 2021, and that is an okay thing, but it can also be a dangerous thing, and here is why. Most of the optimism coming into 2021 is rooted in the expectation of better circumstances. And good circumstances are a blessing from the Lord, and they can also be dangerous. They can be a slippery slope when we hinge our hope and our expectations on circumstances. Because circumstances are unreliable, unstable, and ultimately, they cannot satisfy your soul. Now, in Jeremiah 31, God makes a promise of better circumstances to the people of Israel. Jeremiah speaks prophetically to the Israelites who had been brought into exile in Babylon. Around the beginning of the 6th century, the Babylonians conquered Israel, and for those who survived, they were marched to Babylon, where they dwelled effectively as slaves. Now, if you think that it was hard being an American in 2020, try being a Jew in 597 B.C. Jerusalem was ransacked. People were killed violently and starved to death. Those who survived the atrocities were marched over 900 miles through the desert to Babylon, where they lived as disenfranchised citizens. In Jeremiah 31, God makes two promises of hope to the exiles, one circumstantial in nature and the other spiritual in nature. The first promise was related to the Old Covenant. God pledged to bring the Israelites back from exile to the promised land of Israel. The second promise relates to the new covenant, where God will forgive the people's sins and bring them back into fellowship with the Lord. Now today I want to offer two words, a word of comfort and a word, sorry, a word of caution for 2021 and a word of hope for 2021. With the bottom line being this, do not put your hope in circumstances. Put your hope in Christ, who can truly satisfy your soul. The first, a word of caution for 2021. God makes very clear circumstantial promises to the people of Israel in Jeremiah 31. Now keep in mind, they lost 
everything in the Babylonian conquest. They lost their precious land, their livelihoods, their temple, their city, their status, their sense of safety, and most of all, they lost many, many lives. And when we hear about a time of loss, we can identify with that coming out of 2020. People have grieved so much this year because society collectively lost so much. People lost a sense of safety, a sense of comfort. People lost jobs and income and businesses. And most of all, people lost their health and lost their lives. We can see here that God promises a restoration of circumstances to the exiles in Israel. In verse 4, God promises to rebuild the nation. In verse 5, he promises to restore the vineyards and thereby restore their livelihoods. In verse 6, he pledges to restore corporate worship and to bring them back to the temple. When he says, arise, let us go up to Zion. Zion is where Jerusalem dwelled and where the temple was based. And we can certainly, like never before, identify with a time of not being able to gather for corporate worship, being away from the place of God, because for months we could not gather in person to worship. And still today, many people can only participate in worship through a screen. So God promises circumstantial blessings to the people of God, and that is a good thing. It's a blessing from the Lord. The temptation for us is to look at this and say, oh, well, good. I'm a Christian. I'm one of the people of God. This must mean that God guarantees circumstantial blessings for me of health, wealth, and prosperity. Well, not exactly. Uh, here in this text, God is reinforcing the promises of the Old Covenant. In verse 3, when the Lord proclaims, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you, he is using language, language associated with covenant love and covenant faithfulness that are linked to the Old Covenant with Israel. And in that covenant, there was a physical and a material aspect and promise. God promised that he would give them a land, Canaan, the land of milk and honey. And God fulfilled that promise when he brought the Israelites from Egypt, where they were in slavery, into the promised land. So his promises of circumstantial restoration in Jeremiah 31 are based on the promises and pledges of the Old Covenant. These are specific to this land and to the people of Israel. And so since we are not people of the Old Covenant, but we are people of the New Covenant, these circumstantial guarantees do not apply to us. And in fact, when you read the New Testament, you see that the, really the only guarantees, the only circumstantial guarantees, are that Christians will suffer. Jesus and the apostles make very clear, if you are unified with Christ, you will suffer like Christ. You're probably thinking, Cameron, you are not much of a salesman for the new covenant. Uh, is it too late to get in on the old covenant? <laughs> well, here's the deal. The Israelites received these material blessings. God was good to his word. He brought them back from exile in Babylon to the promised land. They rebuilt their wall. They rebuilt the city. They rebuilt their homes. They returned to their livelihoods. They even started to rebuild the temple. But if you read the books of the Bible from this period uh, of, of Israel's history, books like Malachi, Haggai, and Zechariah, you see that the lives of the Israelites were anything but inspiring and enviable. In fact, when you read Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, the mood of the soul of Israel is empty, hollow, and unsatisfying. Even though they had received good circumstances, 
they were still not satisfied. And that is because they never returned to the Lord. They returned to God's land, but they never returned to centering their lives on fellowship with and the worship of God. And so this, my friends, is a formula for an unsatisfying life, a life apart from the worship and fellowship of the Lord. Now, this is not a very cheery thought, but it's important to say that because of our sinful nature, we want to use God to get better circumstances. There is a heresy that is prevalent in the modern church today called the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that you may have seen on cable television. And the basic message is if you pray the right prayers, and if you believe hard enough, and if you do the right things, and if you give the right amount of money, if you sow the seed, as they say on television, then God will give you health, wealth, and prosperity. It is an insidious, unbiblical heresy that preys on people in desperate financial situations and people who have medical ailments. And another aspect of the insidiousness of this heresy is that it suggests that there is something more satisfying in the gospel than God himself. God is a means to an end in the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. And one thing we kind of need to be aware of is that we all have a little bit of prosperity gospel in us. I would say that my life as a young Christian kind of had this implicit understanding that if I was a good Christian kid, then God would give me good grades, success on the athletic field, and maybe even throw in a girlfriend if I was really, really good. Now, you know, we, we all in ways want to use God to get life on our own terms. That's the nature of idolatry. We tend to think that the things of creation are actually better and more satisfying than the creator himself. And so I want to encourage you to pray for good circumstances. God is a kind and loving father. And in the Lord's Prayer, when we pray that, that God would give us this day our daily bread, we are praying for circumstantial blessing. I want you to pray for circumstantial blessing for this country that the vaccination would be effective, that the economy would be vibrant, that there would be peace and harmony between the people and the police. I encourage you to pray for circumstantial blessing in your own life. Pray that God would bless you financially, that he would reconcile you to, in, in estranged relationships, that God would heal your physical ailments, uh, that, that God would bless you with the spouse that you long for or with the children that you desire. And in fact, I would encourage you to take another step. Pray for those things and write them down. So that if those things come to pass, you will remember that it came from the Lord, it is a blessing from your Heavenly Father, and that you would have a grateful heart. But do not, do not fall into the trap of thinking that better circumstances will translate to a better life. Do not fall into the trap of thinking that better circumstances in 2021 will satisfy your soul. Because there is only one thing that can satisfy your soul. And that takes us to our second word, a word of hope for 2021. Now, so far, we have looked at Jeremiah 31 on an old covenant plane. We can also look at this text on a new covenant plane. The climax of Jeremiah 31 occurs in verses 31 through 34, with these prophetic promises of a new and better covenant. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. 
not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. We see in Jeremiah 31 a recurring theme of God taking his people from a bad place and moving them to a good place. When the prophet hearkens back to the exodus of Egypt, he remembers that God took his people from slavery in, slavery in Egypt, a bad place, and brought them to the promised land, a good place. When he is making these promises to the exiles in Babylon, he is promising to take them from a bad place, slavery in Babylon, back to a good place, Israel. And here in the New Covenant, we see that he is promising to take us not from a bad place, but from the worst place, from sin and separation from God, and to bring us not to a good place, but to the best place, the heart of God, and into fellowship with the Lord. We see here in the New Covenant that there are two promises, a promise to forgive sins and to grant fellowship. He pledges, he pledges to bring us to the place of fulfillment, the heart of God. Now, the New Covenant points to and is fulfilled by the coming of Jesus. In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus comes to rescue and deliver us from bondage to sin and death and to bring us to the Lord. Our slavery in Egypt, our exile in Babylon occurred when we were in sin and we were dead in sin and we were separated from the Lord. Our crossing of the Red Sea, our journey back to Israel occurred when we repented from being our own Savior and our own Lord, and we turned to Jesus to be our Savior and Lord and our Good Shepherd. And our entrance into the Promised Land occurred when we entered into relationship with Christ. And that entry into the Promised Land will culminate when we enter into heaven where we have everlasting, permanent fellowship with the Lord. You see, the promises of the New Covenant are inner promises. They are promises of the internal life. Notice the apex of the promises in verses 11 through 13. How God says that he will make them radiant over the goodness of the Lord. They shall languish no more. They shall rejoice and dance. They shall be merry. He promises comfort and he declares, I will turn their mourning into joy. Give them gladness for sorrow. These are promises of joy, hope, and peace in the inner life. These are promises of a satisfied and fulfilled soul. And what is the source of these promises? In verse 14, God says, I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. The prize of the gospel is God himself. The prize of the gospel is a relationship with the Lord. Jesus is the one thing that can satisfy your soul. And what is the mechanism by which we enjoy this great gift? In verse 9, the Lord declares, With weeping they shall come, and with pleas of mercy I will lead them back. It is through neediness and brokenness and dependence that we enter into this life-giving relationship with the Lord.
It is through weakness that we find God. I say this gently and not critically. If Jesus is not the center of your life, then your contentment largely depends upon your circumstances. When things are good, you're high. When things are bad, you're low. And if you live in this manner, very often there is an ever-present sense of dread or anxiety about, about what is around the corner because so much of your contentment is dependent upon circumstances. I work with a lot of people who have suffered losses and are in seasons of grief. And and a number of years ago, I listened to a woman tell me her strategy uh, for surviving a significant loss. Uh, She told me that she was going to plan to stay as busy as possible, to go on as many trips as possible, to exercise as much as possible, to go out to dinner as much as possible. She was basically going to try to optimize her circumstances as much as possible until the pain went away. And I just want to tell you that, unfortunately, it just does not work that way. Circumstances cannot heal your heart. And circumstances cannot give you the sustained deep joy that your heart desperately longs for. To me, one of the most compelling promises of the Christian faith is the ability to have hope, peace, and joy, no matter what the circumstances. If you read the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul has a tone that is filled with exuberant joy. He is brimming with life. And what were the circumstances for the Apostle Paul? He was on house arrest, waiting to hear whether or not he would get the death penalty. This is why I offer caution and and encourage us to pump the brakes and recalibrate as we think about 2021. Better circumstances do not necessarily translate into a more satisfied soul. An intimate relationship with Jesus does. A very faithful woman in our church told me a story about uh, when she was going through chemotherapy, when she had cancer. She talked to me about how close she felt to Christ during that time and the surpassing sense of joy and peace that she experienced during that season. And on the day when she finished her last treatment, when the treatment was over, she started to cry. And her husband is saying that this was a happy cry, a sense of relief that the misery and the pain of going through chemotherapy was over. But she explained to him that it was actually a happy, it was actually a sad cry because she feared that she would never be as close to Jesus post-cancer as she had been during chemotherapy. That is the power of having Christ at the center of your life. Now, I hope and pray that 2021 is a better year, that it has better circumstances. But if you have Christ at the center of your life, you are going to be okay regardless as it pertains to your sense of contentment. Because you have the one thing that can truly satisfy your soul, no matter what comes to pass. Let us pray. Almighty God, we pray that you would glorify yourself in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.